It's another Monday. I'm John. This is Johnny. We're back. Let's talk about that on a new computer. <sighs> Means nothing to the it's listener. Already, it's already given us problems. Well, it's, it's a new program, a little different. We actually, uh, our friend Jeffrey just stopped by because everything was perfect, except to, that it wouldn't work. He had to be work. like, move, yeah. and like fix it all. But I was able to Google something that helped us figure it out, so I was a part of the solution. Oh. Uh, would you have figured it out by just the Google alone, though? I don't know. Sometimes just Jeffrey being close yep. makes a big difference. It's like a spiritual gift. It's like he, we always laugh if he just touches the computer. Uh-huh. Sometimes it'll do what I've been trying to make it do the whole time, and I've been touching it, mm-hmm. and it did nothing. He's so, got a gift. Oh, my goodness. And he was doing it, too. Like, his wife called, who you guys know Allison. We love Allison. Yeah. And, I, and it's one of the only times I ever said this. I was like, don't tell her what you're doing. Don't tell her, because <laughs> she's going to know that you, you're late, and you've let her down again to and help he, us. He told her immediately. He told her immediately. Of course. Because we do not. He didn't follow your pastoral advice That's to right. create not, secrets in his marriage. I did not advocate secrets in marriage. So. I, I think there is. There's a magic touch on things. It's like people who can grow plants. Yes. And then some people have, like, a green thumb. Some, I have, like, a black thumb. <laughs> I have uh, I have a dead, I have like 8 million dead places in my yard, in my front yard. Uh-huh. And it's bugged me forever, but I've never done anything about it. Because I'm just like, well, if you take an overview of my yard, it's green. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you were to see an image of my yard, you'd be like, well, that's a yard. Right. But if you walk in into my yard, you'll see so many places where there is no grass. Yes. Lots of no grass places. Mm. And I want that preach. Boy. So I decided I gave up and I started just digging up because there's like literally like concrete sticking up in part of those places because mm. my yard was sodded. It's a new neighborhood. Yeah. Well, four years ago, it was a new neighborhood. So you know this because you've bought in a new neighborhood before. When they just sod your front yard, underneath that is just a mixture of br- old bricks and yeah, d- uh, construction debris yeah. is right below the surface in some of these spots. And sometimes sod will take, but a lot of times... Eventually, the sod dies because there's nothing for the grass to take and want that print. Gosh, come on, guys. Are y'all getting what he's laying down right now? So <laughs> these dead spots in the very front corner of my yard that people see the most, like my mailman, like everybody, it's the front corner of my yard. It's like a, probably a eight square feet of mm. just no grass. So I decided I'm going to try to dig up some of these rocks yeah. and just see. And when I started digging, I couldn't get to the outer circumference of how big this place was. Like I would dig down three inches and go clink. Mm. You know, like in the movies when they're digging up a shallow grave and they go clink and they hit the top of the coffin. That was that. But it wasn't a body. It was an 80 pound, 80 to 100 pound cluster of concrete. It was as though someone just poured a bag of concrete, wet it down, put about two inches of dirt and then went, hey, saw it over this. That's so there con- nothing, it, nothing was ever going to grow the corner there. of the yard, front yeah, corner? Yeah. It's the concrete truck. Yeah. The concrete truck came, and at the end, they have like... When they poured the driveway, extra, probably, yeah. They have extra. They just throw it over in the corner. So they literally just were... They knew it was like a ticking time bomb of sod. Like, let's pl- throw it on here. It'll be green for, like, enough to sell the house. Mm. And then he's going to have no grass here until he dig. So, and then the problem is... I thought this sounds boring to a lot of people, but... Then the problem is, once I got this gigantic boulder out of my yard, there were lots of other spots now where you have I had to go like, get dirt. You had to go get dirt, fill it in. But I have to figure out what I'm going to do with the concrete now. Oh. Like, how do you throw away an 80-pound cluster of concrete? Well, I put it in my green can. Just, no, <laughs> you did not. I worked it up. <laughs> Thud. And then I put a bunch of trash bags on top of it. And then so I had a house sitter this weekend because we were in Knoxville. So I told Taylor, who was house-sitting for me, and dog-sitting, I said, hey, when you roll this out to the street, because he rolls my can out to the street if he's there on a Monday, hey, when you roll the can out to the street, be careful. It's a, it's really heavy. And I was worried that, you know, the little robot machine that picks up the can, yeah. I wondered if it had, like, a governor on it where if, if a can has too much weight in it, it just won't do it. So I was worried the whole time. It's like it's, This is a very suburban, wow. first-world worry that, like, what am I going to do if they don't take this concrete? What do I do? Because it's not like you can just go, like when you live in the country, I grew up in the country, you can just go dump somewhere. Right. You can just go, hey, I got a bunch of rock I don't want. Or you have like a backside of your property where you just throw things. Mm-hmm. I don't have that anymore. I'm in a suburb. So it's like, what do you do with 80 pounds of concrete? 
you you can't do anything with it. So if they had not taken it, I would just be like, this is our new accent piece in the garden. <laughs> I, what I would have done is taken a sledgehammer. No. And broken it into pieces and bagged it up so that. But that's still the same thing. Correct. Of what but I, this, did. I, would have, I would have been. You would more, have spent two more hours on it. More tricky making sure they take it off, you know, so. Yeah. I do stuff. Listen, our, listen. Well, I, I don't think it's wrong. Like, is it wrong to send that to the landfill? It's just you know, wrong. Johnny, I don't know, bro. We're, Did I break we're in rules? some uncharted, uncharted ethics. Is it uncharted or unchartered? People always, people always say two, two things. One say we're in uncharted waters or uncharted, uncharted. Yeah, I think, I, thought, I think it's uncharted territory and uncharted waters. Really? I think so. I've never heard uncharted waters. Oh, people say uncharted all the time. I've man. only heard uncharted territory. We're in uncharted waters. It's like, okay. This is like I a tar- think, I think charter. I you, you have a charter when you're out on a, like a ship, right? You right. Your, but you don't charter, you charter waters, your voyage. you would say this is an you uncharted your, ship. You charter your voyage, though. I wonder how many times we could say charter. <laughs> it's harder than, harder than you might think. I think uncharted sauce. Uncharted yeah. territory or uncharted waters, again, it's a it's a... Maybe it's just people said it. People said it wrong this so long that we just accept both ways. Or maybe I'm saying it right still, and you just are not accepting that. Okay, so listen. So I, a- so I put the dirt in the hole. Like I put like nice soil. I didn't put like crappy dollar a bag soil. Well, you can't hide money. So I put it in there because I know I want the grass to take. Because I'm going to roll sod over this huge hole now. Yeah. I don't know anything about sod. No. I just roll, I roll the sod out. It kind of I clipped around. I, oh, this is just. Oh. So now the sod is, I have to water the crud out of Two it. Two weeks. And no it's way. not rained since I've laid Every the Every day, multiple times at And least. it's not rained at all. So it I've had die. to quiet air and just, yeah, yeah. So I'm rolling out there. There's little brown edges around it. I'm like, uh-huh. oh boy, here we go. And uh, now I think the sod is starting to take. But it's it's a raised area yeah. in my yard now. Yeah. It looks like, and there's a bunch of weeds and stuff around it because I don't have real like grass. I don't have like natural grass in my yard anymore. I have like a lot of like, it's a variance. Uh, it's a yeah, lot yeah. of. It's a it's a cornucopia. Yeah, it's a horn of plenty yes. weeds. But then I have this clearly this is grass. It looks like a toupee. It looks like a really bad <laughs> a yard toupee. It is. It's like a it's bad. A upay. I don't think I don't think I've solved the problem is what I guess I'm saying. Even if this takes, it's a very obvious fix. Well, you know, I just had sod put in and when Seth put it in, he said, hey, don't worry about this, how it looks different, because it will only take a few months before all the weeds in the yard just to take it over. Oh, well, that's great. I was like, oh, well, thanks, Seth. I appreciate that. And he was right. But yeah. it, although mine has taken finally, though I thought it died. But, yes, it, and it will not be as raised either. I will tell you this. Don't mow it. Oh. I just had to weed eat. I'm going to be weed eating it for a few months probably. Don't mow it. But don't put your hard, heavy lawnmower on it. So you would – I would – Mow the rest of your yard, then trim it, and then you're kind of almost like fading a bowl cut into your yard. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a I faded it with the weed eater. It's a fade, Johnny. If, if the listener could see me, I'm making a yeah a gesture with my hand. I'm, I'm blending, just like a fine yeah, like a barber, barber artisan, if like you a will, hairstylist, like a yarber. That's what you do for the yard if you're a barber. Well, I'm worried about it. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go well. So you put the sod in yourself. I'm pretty impressed with that. Well, I mean, I've done it before, obviously. A, but you just roll it out, right? Did you? You put it on topsoil. Yeah. And it was. It was. Seth says it doesn't have to be disturbed as long as it's not super hard. But and it would appear that he's right. It has taken. I don't know. But I was. I was nervous about it. It's. I don't have any idea. I just don't want to be. I don't want to be the problem yard in my neighborhood. Oh, that's my all goodness. I care about. And that's how I feel about clothes. Again, still, I just don't want to stand out. That's all. Yeah, I just want to not stand out. Um, yeah, I just go. Well, this I know everything matches jeans, so here you go. Yeah, but if somebody said to me, "Hey, like even when like people start wearing like the camouflage cargo shorts," yeah, I was like, "What do I wear with these though? Do I have to wear like khaki type colors? Do I have to wear the same shade of green that these short like?" Then you'd see people just wearing like random stuff with them. I'm like, "Is this okay, or are they breaking the rules too?" Oh. Or are they so I the never one? bought a pair of those. When those were like the thing, I never bought like the army green yeah. or the, the camouflage. It's like, this feels like a risk. I can't. Yeah. I'm just going to say black shorts, khaki shorts, jean shorts. Well, now jean shorts are kind of, you know, you don't see jean shorts as much anymore. I don't know. Unless like cutoffs. 
You know, my daughter's one of those people, I think, that has that natural, she can sort of, and my niece has well, that. Well, she's on the cutting edge because she's around Yeah, kids but all even day. though. She knows what's coming around the bend, John. She has the confidence to, to push the envelope. Yeah. Fashion wise. And I just look at her and I go, well, I mean, you got that from your mom. Yeah. Because I don't. But are jorts out? Jorts are gone, right? Uh, jorts are over. I see people wearing Are they coming back? You know, girls know. are wearing mom jeans now. Yeah. Young They're calling girls. them that. Mom yeah. jeans was always a derogatory term. High waisted yeah. jeans. Yeah. I wish that, we... That's what makes a mom jean, right? Supposedly. They're kind of high waisted and. Yeah, they come up like past your belly button kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not past my belly button. That'd be hard to do right now. Yeah. So you're going to need to. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, I just went on a trip. Um, yeah. I was in Clearwater Beach with my wife for a few days. We didn't get to have our 20th in the fall. You don't have to make an excuse, John. You went to Clearwater. It's fine. Well, it was a makeup trip. It was three but it days. Doesn't ma- you could take a trip. You could take five trips for all I care. You know what? Thank you. I think I will. I appreciate this. We didn't get our thing, so we had to go. <sighs> I don't care. Go to your trip. You know, you're not the only one listening right now. Maybe someone out there does care. <laughs> they're like, what a jerk. <laughs> uh, what a pretentious, uh, self Three days in Florida is its own punishment. That's how I feel. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Florida people, we love you. No, I loved it. Actually, it was really amazing. You've been to Clearwater Beach, haven't uh-huh. you? Uh, I don't know if the beach. You and I did Clearwater on one of your trips. Sarasota, Bradenton area? Yeah, that's where I left my wallet at that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. and, and I had to convince the... A panic. Convince the uh, TSA agent who called the FBI. But they have a protocol for that. I'm not sure if it'll work, though, once we get all these. So what's the real ID? Real ID, yeah. Which I went and got mine. I will say when I went through security this time, yeah. they did not make me scan my actual boarding pass. They just took my they license. They took your ID, yeah, because yeah. they have your boarding pass in their it's system. It's already now. in the system. I was like, wow, that's new. It's new, but you have to lower your mask and do the thing. No. I wonder how long masks in airports. you think that's going to be a thing for another year? Probably. I don't, know. I don't know. I think another year. Really? Yeah. On planes? I don't know. I think a year. I feel like that the recycled air. And I think the there plane, will still be people wearing them even after they lift it, and they'll still look at you, like the judgment is still happening. It's just a difference. I kind of want a sticker that says, "I've been vaccinated." I believe in the virus. Right. I've been vaccinated. That's why I'm not wearing a mask. Yeah. Like I don't care that much what people think, but I do wonder you're now. Being, we're being lumped in now with the people who never wore a mask and right. are like militant about it being a hoax or something by this one simple act of not wearing a mask. Well, like even getting in the Uber, I was like, hey, just for your peace of mind, I'm going to wear this mask, but we've both been fully vaccinated. Oh, if they don't require it in the Uber anymore? Because they were requiring it in the Uber for a while. They require masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not vaccination. Oh, right. So I'm wearing the mask, but just so you know. But I'm wondering when the mask in the Uber know. is going to, that's Somebody, probably it's a company policy. You know, I do, I do wonder that some, some who are listening, like it just in, the, the whole subject. Just bringing it up in rage. Yeah, it's people. very, it's very yeah. inflaming. Um, I had a conversation with someone the other day, and I won't say who or what. I'll be very vague. But they were very upset, and they were like, hey, instead of going to post on social media, I'm calling you because we've had these kind of talks, you know. Yeah. And so I'd have some hard conversations, and we really kind of talked through what was happening. And when we got to the bottom, I was like, I can't find anything you're actually upset about except other people posting on social media. Yeah. Even then, even when you agree with what they posted, yeah, you're just upset that they did. I was like, that's for me a sign, like, maybe the, you know, maybe maybe it's time to decrease. The noise. It is this, that outrage culture. You do become addicted to outrage a little bit. Like, Well, and they're selling. I mean, that's the thing. These companies, media companies, and then social media in general, too, they have to keep you at a certain fever pitch so you stay on longer so they can keep selling things to you. Yeah. So it's like provocative titles we've we've known about clickbait for years but literally everything is clickbait now because you know you can go hear you know if you want to go to fox news you can hear how crazy the left is right now and if you go to cnn you can hear how crazy the right is now and it justifies your your belief that yes the whole world is going crazy except for me and here's a word from our sponsors in the meantime right while they get you there it's we're being manipulated it's obvious yeah i remember a day when Everything was not breaking news. And I think that bringing that level of not just attention, but severity to everything yeah, just it's like, causes you to constantly yeah. feel severe. It's like, like the, it's like the substitute teacher uh, or it's like a teacher that yells all the time. Yeah. Like when you actually need to correct a student or, right. get some, or hit something home with a student, 
it's over. You you started out at yelling. You yep. don't have another gear. So now we're just like we're all yelling at each other. There's no nuance. And the us versus them thing is just so easy because you you put you put people in a category. I can now dismiss you. Oh, you believe in this? Well, you're a crazy person I don't have to deal with anymore. So now you just I, I'm wondering, I'm worrying that like we're going to get to a point where nobody's left to be friends with because we know everything. We yeah. know their voting history. We know their whatever because of all the social media. So now it's like, well, you've had eight fatal flaws. I can't I can't associate with you anymore because yeah. I have this weird like, I don't know, Byzantine idea of what you have you violated. Yeah. And I'm going to hold you accountable to this. It's uh, we got to give each other some room to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, it's revolutionary to think that you're more than one thing. And yet it's so true. Um, some things I'm writing with some folks are just teaching me so much about that, that you have you have parts and that it, that's OK. It doesn't make you have multiple personalities to have parts. But there's a part of you that wants this on the menu and there's a part of you that wants that. There's a part of you that gets upset when this person comes to visit. You don't know why. Yeah. And there's a part of you that gets like, you know. I'm whatever part that's afraid I chose the wrong thing on the menu right after I say it. I'm telling you, dude, you're a six. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, menus are crippling for me. Yeah. Like they're not, not okay, crippling is a horrible word. I just mean like I'm I'm extremely decisive on a lot yeah. of important decisions. I can make decisions clearly when I can see all of it, but this is not an important decision. So now it's just like ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss out, you know? Yeah. And I'll just go, Laura. Why don't you pick two things? Right. Because she'll pick the best two. Do you ever do that? And then you you just share off of you. Oh, absolutely. I'll all get the, time. the steak. You get the chicken. Most of our meals. If I have two things to come down to, but then if you get your steak and it's really good, you're like, oh, you should have, you should have got the steak too. It turns <laughs> out, I am going to eat all of this. I had a lot of steak at the sea at the beach, which I was expecting seafood, but well, you could have ordered seafood. There wasn't as much seafood offerings as I wanted. Like I went to one restaurant and they were like, look, our specialty is this. We have the seventeen hundred degree oven. Mm-hmm. And we put the steak in, and it, like, chars the outside real quickly, but it leaves it all juicy on the inside. I was like, I have to have that. Like, yeah. that's happening. And it was. It was like top ten steak. It was really good. I um, don't know if I have ten steaks that I, that are memorable to me that I could rank. Have you ever been to McGuire's Irish Pub in Yeah, Penn I have been City? there, but I think I got a burger or something. Johnny, they have a... I'm low maintenance. I like a burger because you can just immediately start eating it. Steak, you got to prepare it. You got to cut it up. It's what do you have to prepare? They prepare it, Johnny. Well, I know what I'm saying. You got to like put your stuff on it. You gotta I don't maybe... put anything on it. You just well, cut it, dude. Yeah, I don't know. It's the same thing as picking it up with your hands. I just pick it up with a fork. Yeah. Or my hands. I like a hand food, I guess. Let's <laughs> try just pick up the steak with your hands. That'd be <laughs> yeah, funny. Give it to me. Um, you know, it's funny. My favorite steaks are all from the beach. Isn't that weird? Huh. It's like. It's because you've been on vacation. I do wonder what the vacation... Your, your taste buds come alive, John. The vacation context does add something. Like, oh, this By the way, I feel so like good. my voice is deeper today because I'm, I'm a little sinusy and allergy, and I apologize. I feel like a very radio good. DJ. Hey, yo. Hey, you want to thank you guys for joining I've us been here on, on The Quiet I, I have, Storm. When I moved to Middle Tennessee, I felt like my allergies got so much better than East Tennessee. But this year has been bad for me. Yeah. Every day I have to take... Every 12 hours I'm taking something from uh. my allergies. And I think you're only supposed to take it every 24 hours. I don't care. Are you taking a 24-hour pill every 12 Maybe. hours? Maybe. Johnny. Well, they wear off. I'm a big guy. Oh, my goodness. Bloodstream. I don't know. You need to go see your doctor immediately. Yeah. Run. Don't walk. It's okay. Although, although if you've been had It's all just the- when you sneeze. I get in my car and I sneeze 32 times in a row sometimes. <laughs> Curry says she thinks I'm allergic to the car. I think it could be her. <laughs> She's in the car when, enough to say that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> hold on. But why are you not sneezing with her in the house? I don't know. That's, you know, maybe I'm not. I've not charted it. I need to go ahead and make a... These are unchartered sneezes. I need to make like a flow chart of when I'm sneezing. And then go to Curry with his dad and be like, we're going to have to split up. <laughs> I have developed an allergy developed a, to my wife. A wife allergy. What if it was like something, some new detergent or some you know perfume that i didn't know that she'd switch to and i'm just like i have these this pollen is terrible this yeah. year and she's poisoning me slowly oh my goodness that'd be something wasn't that a fuji song poisoned me slowly with his with his words with his. 
with his song. Oh my goodness, um, that's a that's a throwback. You know, we did not listen to nineties. Well, that's music Roberta because... Flack. It's not really a Fuji's. It's that's a, it was a cover. You know that, right? Oh yeah, of course. Roberta Flack. That's from oh, the seventies. Yeah. I knew that. And it's not even the great that great of a cover. When you listen it, to yeah. her version, it's not that different. I don't like when covers just basically do it by numbers. Yeah. Or put like a hip hop beat over something, but nothing else is different. You're like, you just monetize this person's work for yourself. But that person still makes the money too. I guess. But then people like, have you ever been around somebody that was like, uh, one time I was listening to uh, P Diddy's "I'll Be Missing You" that he wrote for Biggie when he got shot, you know? Yeah. And they used "Every Breath You Take." Yeah. And we were in an airport, uh, but then "Every Breath You Take" came on instead. And so. This person that was with me, he was twenty something, was like, Huh. This is big this is a this is a P. Diddy song. And I was furious. <laughs> I became enraged that they thought every breath you take was a P. Diddy song. That Sting had ripped it off. Wow. And they were sincere in their belief. Mm, but wrong. But so right. wrong. Yeah. I think we should name him. But you're right, was. Sting probably made a ton of money from that and he No, I'll imagine the covers are a great day for the original artist. Well, now there's this thing called interpolation, where you can take tiny pieces of songs. It's almost like sampling was in the 80s and 90s, where you'd see bits of things sampled by rap artists, uh, little hooks. But now there's like pop songs that have, like there was this TikTok video I watched, and it was like the most interpolated song was uh, Uptown Funk. And they showed the pieces that he took to make Uptown Funk. And there's like not one bit of it original. Wow. It's all these old 70s funk artists, and there's very some of it's very popular music, but you just it's laced in there. And I don't know, I think that they have to pay for that because they some of it they got sued outright, but some of it's like they already knew going in. I think they were going to sample, yeah, but like Uptown Funk hasn't made any money because they've had to pay it all out to <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> It would have made this, but it's not a really original song. I remember when I was managing the band Skyhook, and they put out a worship record, and we did two or three covers on it. And I remember I had to get into the paying of the licensing yeah. fees and yeah, the royalties yeah. of it, and it was a real pain. Yeah, like it was because you got to don't you have to guess like how many copies you're going to sell? Well, you, you had to go. By the, you had to go like look at your you. You have these member these memberships that then. Kind of like a podcast, you know, we use a a platform that then supposedly streams it out to all the right other platforms. Yeah. Uh, although I think that doesn't always work correctly. Now Talk about that podcast.com. <laughs> but the same way you use a service that handles your licensing and keeps up with all your streams and all those things. Yeah. and then, But it was not nearly at that point in time as... Um, I guess convenient as you'd think that it should be that yeah. they would just go, Oh, you owe this and we'll take it and distribute it. It was like, you gotta, you gotta pay these people this much and this. And if you want this kind of licensing with this and you did, it's like, Oh my goodness. Like it was uh, not very intuitive, I guess is the word. But Yeah. I remember I did, when I did a couple of parody songs, when I started my comedy career, I went and tried to do the due diligence and pay the artist. Yeah. Um, it was, what's weird is I used a track like a, a karaoke track. Yeah. So I was paying a karaoke artist because it was their rendition of the original composition. Wow. So there's like, I think I was paying two different people licenses for those. Well, yeah, you'd pay now, someone for the intellectual And property. I think some people don't pay parody, don't pay at all for their parodies. Well, they'll usually because come after you because there's no, all kinds of... If you make your own composition, though, of the song... But you still owe for the intellectual property of the lyrics and all the... Well, you're I guess not using, you're not the using lyrics. lyrics, but you are using the melody. There, It is... No, nope, mm. not if you make your own version. Evidently, you're protected under uh, what is it? There's not called parody law. There's some there's some laws that it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and you're evidently protected. But the right thing to do is to at least get permission. Or yeah. So I don't know the rules, but I just know that there are. So I know certain parody artists who don't don't do all those jump through all those hoops. See, that's why we use original music when we talk about that. There you go. You know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, every time I have to edit and put this thing up, I listen to the music. I love it so much. Yeah. Dane did such a great job. It's catchy. It was like just a one-night deal for Dane. Like, yeah, I'll do this. And just like, when he starts the solo, that's what gets me. Mm. It gets me, Johnny, every time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had uh, sort of a rough event last week. Uh, and, and I felt bad. So the last podcast we put out. Yeah. 
um, was uh, it was like two weeks behind because of the computer issues and other things. And then last week I talked a lot about my my little sixteen year old dog Brutus and him being blind, and we were kind of laughing and making you know jokes and stuff. But he passed away last week. Yeah, uh, and it was kind of a. Um, I don't mind talking about this. You know, it was it was a little more traumatic than we were expecting your 16-year-old dog to go. So I found him in the pool uh-huh. and uh, jumped in after him with my clothes on, and it kind of was a, a pretty, you know, every morning, like I said, he he never goes near the pool. I know his whole thing, he goes out in the yard, maybe he gets lost, and I don't know how he got there still. He may have had a medical event, we think. Yeah. There's some reasons to think that that I won't go into. Um, but it was a pretty, you know, and again, he's 16, and I I think expecting. I'm all about the expectation, Johnny. Yeah. Um, and there's things there's things in life I know are coming, and that doesn't make it go away. But if I can expect the way, but I think I expected him to, you know, just kind of start to go downhill, and us, uh, you know, be able to put him down or whatever. But this was kind of a the guilt. Yeah, it's tough. The guilt, as if I, because I do. I when I jumped in, I felt like I'd killed my dog because it's my job to watch out after him. But in probably 65 days after we've redone the backyard, he's never once gone near the pool. So it was really, um, really, really hard week. So, but a lot, and, and I, all the all the self shaming of this conversation, which is kind of why I'm doing it, because I think I want to be forthright about that. <laughs> you know, there's the one thing you want to say, um, hey, I know he's just a dog. You know, and he absolutely is. Like I know, I know he's just a dog. He's, he's not my kid or any of those things. And then a lot of people are like, man, but the dogs are a part of our you know, family unit these days. And so, um, but I do feel, I feel weird. It affected me more than I thought it would, although I'm much, much better now. But I just, I just think I have a respect for, and even as someone who who just does religious counseling, like there is a such a thing as trauma, like an unexpected tragedy, something you're not expecting, you know, that, that happens. And so, um, especially when there's, you know, death and other things involved. So, you know, Laura and Sadie were witness to Brutus being viciously attacked by our dog the day we moved in. Which right, the uh, neighborhood, yeah, the yeah, neighbor dog, yeah. Almost four years to the day, because it was right as my dad had passed as well. And um, they were very traumatized, because dog attacks are, I mean, it was the the, the sounds, the sights. Oh, the, it's brutal, yeah. yeah it's, and they couldn't get them off, and my father-in-law actually got them off. And Brutus almost died then, you know. But this time, it's like it's me, because I'm the one that found him and jumped in and everything and and i was like wow this is i can't stop reliving yeah that like i can't it's way better now and i even spoke with um some people i'm writing with you know or coaches and they were like well there's acute trauma you know versus post-traumatic things and they said 30 most counselors would say 30 days later if you're still having the exact same now it moves into a post-traumatic stress kind of thing but yeah for a while there that first week or so it's just way lessened and i'm really grateful for that but Man, I just I feel for people who I, I mean I think about soldiers, I think about others who who deal in, in way more human tragedy, you know. Yeah. The things that people face. Um and it's not just like something you can you just can't turn off certain parts of your brain. You know, you just can't go, Oh, I'm not gonna think about that anymore. And this is the hard part for me is I'm a logical path kind of guy. And so the logical path has helped, you know, but logical path doesn't connect all the emotional dots it just can't in certain areas of your life so but uh anyway it was an interesting week our trip was well timed i didn't know obviously when i planned the trip but uh so you know i do i i love my dog uh miss brutus he was 16 going on 17 uh we laughed so much especially when Sadie was little so um all the names we have for him you know uh because i didn't write anything on social media laura did some stuff but his full name was Brutus Maximus Driver Esquire. Oh, right. Yeah. Have so, to have the Esquire in yeah. there. Uh, and his his Greek name, uh, or biblical name, if you will, was Brutimaeus. He went by Brutimaeus a lot. Brutimaeus. He, he loved that one. Uh, his official title uh, was Prince of Dogs. So... And I, I remind Ace, the other dog, he's nowhere near a prince yet. Like you know, he's got he's, he's got to earn some, that title. Yeah, he's got some big shoes. Which that's to not fill. really that's not how it works in royalty. You don't have to earn the title of prince. But I get what you're saying. Well, if he wants to be called a prince, it, I think it's more he'll be given the title. I'm saying he might have he might have a royal lineage, right? But he's not of age yet. You know what I'm saying? Like at this point, whatever, because you know the Prince of Wales is the Prince of Wales, and so becomes the king. You know, so. 
Um, I'm just saying that he's just a young squire at this point. Sure. And under, so not an esquire. He's not correct. He's not ready for that until he demonstrates uh-huh. a maturity that Brood has had uh, to him. So, but anyway, it was, it was, um, it's been a good, it's been good to actually remember that, hey, and I'll remind everybody that if you have tragic things, that the way things end don't negate the, all the other things that were. Yeah, that was tough. a real hard reality yeah. for me. Like, oh, doesn't matter all the fun we had or that he lived the best life any dog has probably ever lived in the world. <laughs> you know, right. all I see is the ending, you know, and that. So, but um, anyway, interesting, uh, interesting week. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I know it, I know it hurts and it stinks. And like you say, it's the, it's tough when you, we've talked about that when we lost parents, that it's not like the movies, you know, right. it's not, you know, I'm going towards the light. I'm going, you know, it's not, it's not a, sometimes it's not beautiful. It's very brutal. Sometimes you just, you see this humanity in your, especially when we lost parents, you see this brokenness and you're like, Oh, I, you know, I looked up to this person and now I'm seeing this like my mom. She was like very scared when they took her back for the last surgery, which she didn't come out of. Yeah. And uh, to see her, this faithful woman, be afraid, it made me afraid. Yeah. And I still think about it. You know, she's been gone almost 20 years. I still think about like that fear in her eyes. And so it's hard. It's like that. It's not like, it's not, there's a beauty to it. There's a beauty to death, but there's trauma in that loss. And in those moments, and those can, like you say, those bookends can sometimes take away from the meat of someone's life, and it shouldn't. It, you know, what I'm saying you gotta, you gotta make yourself remember the good. And I think usually our brain does that for us; it protects us from trauma in many ways. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the time heals all wounds things. So I don't think about all that, that all the time, but there's just moments where when someone loses somebody, and I think. Yeah, I relate to this. And so, like you said, to your point, there is an empathy that can come from something like this where you go, oh, man, this is how somebody who was in an abusive situation, yeah. they must relive their thing all the time. And I hadn't really thought about that. Well, it's not so that you can conceptualize, yeah. I think, without some experience. Not that this is the first trauma of my life or something. Yeah. I just mean um, not in any stretch of the imagination. It just reminded me yeah. in those moments. Um, you know, <laughs> It's so for me, a lot of things are tied to responsibility, and so it's so funny. I was doing this enneagram coaching, and they were coaching me, and we were talking about stuff, and and she said responsibility is a huge word for a six. What am I responsible for? Am I doing it? Am I going to be targeted or blamed uh-huh. for not having done? You know, and um, so. In addition, a lot of other, I think, difficulties in life that people feel. I mean, and that's the thing. Some, sometimes a traumatic experience like with your dog can sort of pull the scab off of a lot of other things you're feeling. You yeah. Know? Um, and so I it was. I was on the plane ride, and I just kind of having some time with the Lord, not just about the dog, obviously, just a lot of things, just exhausted in life. It was a really good, well-timed trip, a, a real gift for us to have some time to, together alone and away. And... um I had this interesting thought, Johnny, and I really don't know theologically I, where I stand on it. But as I was thinking, like it's not, it's not the death of the dog, it's it's the trauma of the event, and then this, I, if, if when I went through recovery, senseless loss, yeah, is a big thing for me. Senseless, like there's no avoidable, senseless and avoidable, and avoidable by me. Uh-huh. So I live wanting people around me to be able to avoid. Like if I see a puddle on the floor at the house from outside the shower, I know that's a slick tile and I always wipe it up. And when I'm around other people's children, if there's little children in the room, I don't even know. They don't realize how often I put my hand on the corner of a desk or a table and keep their kid's head from hitting the corner. Like I see all the corners. I see all, like, that's just how I've always been. I see, you know, and, and that's the thing we always laugh. Sometimes Sadie or, well, hurt herself with something senseless that I couldn't have avoided. And my first reaction is not sympathy. Right. It's like, really? You know, yeah. like. Then, How could you let this happen? Yeah. So, so then you realize, oh, wow, I've taken this way too far. I'm trying yeah. to create a, a place where bad things don't happen. You know, like the idea on a Friday night when we were just going to hang out of having to go to the emergency room is like, a, oh, so it's not just the emergency room. Uh-huh. 
it's the loss of the Friday night that we had planned or, you know, so it's like this unexpected trouble yeah. and it sounds super insensitive. I'm just being as real as I can. That that's a thing yeah. for me. And so the responsibility of it. And so I really was, I was reading and kind of just praying and on the flight, looking out the window and I think looking at the sky, blue sky and the ocean below us was great while we're flying, had some music in and, and, uh, I kind of had this thought like because God is sovereign and this is a hard place for a lot of people, but I almost had like this sense from God, like this is just one example, but that as much as I feel like I bear responsibility for senseless hurt Mm -hmm. that he bears it with me. So then you can get mad at God. Well, why did you let the dog fall in the pool? Or why did you let this happen to my parents? Or why did, like, you have those kinds of things, but there was a, it didn't do that for me. Mm-hmm. It was like an instant comfort. Like, hey, I know you feel responsible. You're not responsible for the whole world. I bear that with you. You know, I actually am responsible, but I do allow choice and there's darkness and there's fallenness and there's all these things. And so, and I know a lot of people, but for me, it was a sense of, I'm, I'm with you in this. You don't have to carry that thing alone. Yeah. Like, you know, this actually, and because if he's in it, I've learned, even though life is, and he was super clear in scripture. We, we messed this up so much. We, we were so upset when life is hard, but he's super clear in scripture. You're going to have a lot of trouble in the fallenness of this world. And it's a fallenness that you've chosen that I'm redeeming. And it's the timing that we're all worried about, but I'm making all this right. You're going to have it. So when it happens, it always feels like a surprise because we're so used to so many g- good things yeah. that, you know, bad things feel and s- that like that they're almost an injustice. And for him to say, hey, you know, listen, I, you know, I'm, if you want to blame someone, if you want to just blame yourself, how about blame me with you? And the fact that he's with me brought comfort. So to blaming it felt like, well, if you're in this, then I, found, I have found you to be trustworthy. And a hundred other things. So I don't have answers or all those things. And I know it's just, again, guys, hear me. It's not just about the dog. There's a lot of other things that the, that the dog is, like I said, pulling these other emotions out of other things sure. that I can't stop from happening all around me. And so um, it was just a super comforting moment to go, Yeah, Jesus bears not just my my weights and hurts, but if I feel responsible, I can pull him into that as well in a way. And when he's present, then I have a sense of peace that, Hey, I don't understand. And it's okay. I'm not blaming, but you're with me here, you know? So mm-hmm. it was just, it was really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry you went through it though. And, uh, hope, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hope you're finding peace and it's, but it's hard. I get it. You know what, man? And this is the other thing that really hit me. We are going to be out of town. If this would have happened with my mom, you know, and Sadie, Right. To watch it would have been a way more traumatic. I, my my shoulders are are you know more able, and they seem fine. I was the one who really yeah you know. So that was a good. That's the blood. You want your kid, man. She's already yeah. There's no way you want the kid. You know, I don't want I don't want Sadie to have to deal with that. So he's a good dog, and um, you know he's uh, he's you know he was it was man sixteen years for a Bichon poodle is a broody. long time. So all broody. He's a good boy. Yep, broody Maximus. So mm. but. Um, Anywho, wow! So I, I, didn't, I didn't know any way around. I felt inauthentic not sharing that no, it's event. A, I get it, and I'm glad. So, sorry if we, you know, are talking through things. We've <laughs> we've bummed you all out, and uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I don't know. So I kind of want maybe we'll wrap up this episode with a question from a listener. Sounds great. Yeah, and so uh, he says he uh, loved the podcast, and I'm just going to kind of read through it quick. Look forward to it every week, except the week that we skipped, which I would say. I think we skipped more than one Whoa. week. So, yeah. yeah. And wow, why are you screaming? No, hey, kidding. hold so, on. <laughs> all caps. He just uh, said that he realized he doesn't have a lot of friends in life and in some aspects feels lonely. Um, I totally, by the way, the next statement I totally um, sympathize with. I don't enjoy fake, cheap talk, and I find most people are afraid to go deep. Many clam up after time. And I don't quite know how to build relationships anymore. Advice, how do I build relationships, especially male friendships? By the way... I attempted to see Johnny in Jacksonville, November, on the day of the show. He came down with COVID. So sorry, bro. Yeah. But he said he stayed home and that you're still on the bucket list. So thanks for staying home. That was great. Oh, and thanks for having me on your bucket Listen, if I'm ever in, back in Jacksonville, I'm going to reach out and make sure you make it to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Unless um, you get another virus, in which case stay away from me and my family. <laughs> I'm kidding around. You know, man, that's a great question. Male friendships are tough. Yeah, you know, um, 
it's it is and part of that's about you know we're going through this stage in our cultural history where gender norms are at the forefront and sometimes i feel like people take it way too far uh but there are definitely gender norms for guys that i've always felt like i did not fit into i was such a mama's boy i was always very in touch with my emotions i was a sensitive kid i was the old soul yeah i always uh, took things to heart and i did not like i did not like not telling my guy friends that i loved him if i felt like i couldn't do that i felt like i was holding back a part of myself hmm. so i would say to my guy friends at a young age i love you man but i was always like the initiator of that yeah and again it's a cultural that's hmm. a cultural norm but i always felt like why would i not hug my guy friends and tell them i love them like what if i never see him again i want him to know i love him like it it felt like i was holding back a part of myself but then i i found myself tempering that sometimes because you don't want guys to think you're weird. I'm trying to, this is, a, maybe it's a popular kid. I'm trying to get in with the popular guys, whatever. So I don't want to be the weird, sensitive kid. So you find yourself. But again, so I'm a misfit in that way too. And obviously our friendship's been over 20 years now. And it's because we're both that weird kid. Right. <laughs> we just kind of <laughs> found each other and we can be weird. And Yeah. Uh, but that's hard. Um, I don't know how else to be but myself at this point, and I don't I don't want to apologize for that anymore. And so that means I'm probably not going to have a lot of close friendships. Yeah, I remember the first time that we met, we just kind of were candid. Yeah. You were like, I think we're going to be really good friends, you know, and we hugged each other. Yeah. Like, yeah, because we laughed and talked. As, you know, do you remember in the office when he runs into um, Michael Scott, gets off the elevator? It's like one of the pre-show intros yeah and he runs into who's the british office oh the ricky guy? gervais yeah yeah and like they're so both so unique i guess is the right word and yeah. by the end like michael grabs him and hugs him yeah because it was so overwhelming to him to find yeah. someone who you know saw it like yeah. he saw it um it's funny i was just reading in this book uh this is um gentle and lowly and it's a chapter on jesus being a friend it's about the heart of god it says, Richard Godbeer, professor of history at Virginia Commonwealth University, has shown an extensive review of written correspondence that male friendship has been greatly diluted in the present time when compared with the richness of healthy, non-erotic affection between men in colonial America. Um, but if we allow the world around us in our present cultural uh, moment to dictate to us the significance of friendship, we not only lose out on a vital reality to human flourishing at the horizontal level, we lose out even worse on enjoying the friendship of Christ at a vertical level. But I thought that was interesting that there's studies. Yeah. Because if I read, I was reading Hamilton on the the trip and the relationships and the, the way the letters are between friends were so, was just so different than the way we speak to our friends today. Yeah. And I do think that there's a dilution of that to our listeners question. Uh, and I do think some of it, even in evangelicalism, there's a lot of studies about the masculinization mm-hmm. of the ideal Christian or even the masculinization of Christ, which I do believe Jesus was a carpenter and all those things. But there was a movement, especially in the 60s and 70s, like we don't need a wussy Jesus. Like it became yeah. a real like uh-huh. we wanted to, to really macho Jesus up a lot. Yeah. And a lot of times it means like hiding uh, problems. Because we can't, I don't want to burden you with my problems. Right. Uh, because I got to tough it out. I'm a guy. Yeah. And so if you're the guy who goes, look, I'm really struggling with this, you feel like your man card's just been turned in. Yeah. It's weird. And I don't know when that happened, but you're right. Like in the, in the colonial times, like these guys have been to a war together. Obviously, that's a very binding thing yeah. when you fought alongside somebody. Or maybe they're forging the country together and they feel like this is our common bond. The common bond is important. And that is a very – that's a guy thing for sure. I think I found that in some degree with comics. When I started going in comedy clubs or being around other comedians, I was like, these people are broken in the same way that I'm broken. Yeah, They have the, this weird third eye they see the world with, and they have these weird ideas that come into their head that, that they don't know if they're right. They don't know if they're – they just know they have them. And when I found that, it was kind of like – it was like a tribe, even though I have, might have nothing else in common with that person. Sure. Um, so that was big. That doesn't mean that like huge. I, I do have some of my closest friends are other comedians, but uh, so that is definitely a bond. But I don't know. I, I think the common element is my willingness to just be vulnerable, 
you know. Yeah. And that was partly that was I was raised that way. Well, I think vulnerability creates vulnerability in others in in many ways. There have been times. I mean, I had some conversations this last week. People reached out, family members reached out because of what had happened. They knew I was, you know, it was a, it was a struggle to, to the, the trauma. Mm-hmm. We ended up having deeper conversations about other things in life than we'd ever had because I was, you know, in a super broken state um, at that moment of like, hey, I mean, I'm super broken. Like, hey, I'm in touch with with feelings right now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm stopping to feel this. Um, so. I think that a it, it really the hard part is what, again the definition of vulnerability is the hard part is when you do it and it's not reciprocated. Yeah, and then there's a shame you know that that comes from that. What we need is an app <laughs> to where you can find guy friends for just guy like to go get you know a beer with or go you know what I'm saying go yeah. go pick up basketball with like Tinder. For fringe friender, friender, you just swap. And if you find these guys, like, no, nope, this guy's like, okay, he doesn't. All right, whoa, this guy looks like he would be a fun hang for <laughs> a totally platonic relationship. I will tell you this, in all seriousness, I like that idea, but I want to finish this thought for our listener too, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's launched friender. Like, I do believe the gospel creates an opportunity for deeper relationships. Um, and my, my closest guy friends, that's, that's the common bond mm-hmm. in a lot of ways is a, even when you're upset, there is a, and you need to be, if you don't have, if you don't have friends you ever disagree with, you and I rarely disagree. We really, really probably less than any friend in, in, in life that we disagree on things. We kind of see the world a lot the same, but we have plenty of moments where though we let yeah. each other down or whatever, like that's just life without some sort of mutual belief system to say, hey, when when we do that, what's next? So for a lot of relationships, that just goes away. That's why vulnerability is something people avoid is because if I do this and, and this is going to hurt when this ends, you know, and then they still can end even in faith-based relationships. But there is a thing, I think, to say, hey, the real gospel to me calls you to actual authenticity. It causes me to not hide. And even when I want to, then there's a courage a brain, and then when someone else reciprocates because they're also believing that same thing yeah so there have been things i've told you it's like dude this sucks i don't want to tell you this i feel like an idiot i feel and i'm not rejected by you yeah so the gospel is a reason like whether we were taught everything right growing up or all those things it's the disposition of hey this person matters to me above their fault or their issue and so that's just that's what love is so i think to the listener i'd say man i would seek out churches, places where you can be in small groups with dudes who are seeking after real gospel things outside of just, I guess, rhetoric. Like, hey, if they're just wanting accountability, I shy away from that. I don't want someone to hold me accountable. Okay, I want someone to live life with me. Like, that's what we really want. And accountability would be one component of that. But I'm not just looking to get to confess all the stuff all the time. Like I want someone who's listening and, and you know, that we're actually praying and, and yeah. it, that there are um, friender moments, Johnny, not just tender moments. Yeah, and what, to the point about loneliness, like we've all been there this last 16 yeah. months. So that is not uncommon. No. There's, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know the studies that are going to come out that are going to talk about depression and rates of suicide and self-harm. And I mean, it's got to be crazy through the roof as far as like the mental health toll. No one is operating at a hundred percent the past 16 months. We're all doing the best we can because we were thrown a huge curveball. So you're not alone, but it can feel very alone. Yeah, it can. And and don't feel ashamed for feeling it. I think it's good. That's good wisdom, Johnny, because we all feel it to some extent and seek out, seek out relationships that have something mutual. Uh, I do think that common bond is important. If sports is your common bond, then that's great. And it'll be fun. And I have a lot of guys that we have a sports common bond relationship. We talk about the game. We talk about whatever. They're not the first ones I call when I want something or need something deeper or vice versa. And that's okay. I think acquaintances are okay. Like it's okay. I'm learning normal shoot the breeze conversations aren't necessarily shadow. They're just human. I don't have to have the deepest conversation with every human that I meet. And that's, yeah. that's a, I think, the way 
uh, made, that's a good thing to learn. It's okay just to have acquaintance things. Um, but I have acquaintance conversations easier with my closest friends. So right. We don't have to always have depth. Right. We can just be catching up right. or whatever, and it's not. And it's okay. So, yeah. But if I didn't have that depth at some point, then that would be super, like, I understand that feeling of this isn't real, you know, kind of thing. So yeah. So I hope that helps a little bit. Seek it out, man, and, and, and everybody out there is feeling lonely. We just – we sympathize with you empathize with you and we understand it and seek out good relationships don't give up on them don't feel ashamed for not finding them it's hard a lot of people go through life and it's difficult finding that so tons of people struggle with that and we've all been there so well hey uh we went through an entire episode without the computer crashing hey look at that hey there you go uh so that's pretty exciting and um appreciate you guys listening you can head over our, to our website talk about that podcast.com yeah and we're getting a lot of good reviews right all now. the episodes are archived over 150 episodes you go yeah. back binge them all oh my goodness catch I mean, them all like someone, pokemon someone told me the other day they're going back and listening to old episodes and, uh, and they're like few guys you. have changed <laughs> and you're probably right yeah. We apologize. Yeah, it's been a fun been a fun ride though. So uh check it out. Leave some reviews. Follow Johnny on his socials and uh I got a couple book things coming up. We'll tell yeah, you about I as got we some go. Some new tour dates popping up every now and again. So uh they're starting yeah. to come back, which is fun. My dry bar special came out on Facebook yesterday, the full special. Mm. I think I shared it on the talk about that Facebook page. Yeah. But uh look for that and if you find it uh on their dry bar comedy page or if you see it in your feed, share it. Because that way it gets seen by more people. It's already got almost three quarters of a million views in two days. Wow, so, Johnny! So yeah, let's go viral because that that's revenue sharing. Yeah, because Drybar puts ads on those and and then there's kickbacks to the artist over after a certain amount is reached. So that's big for Johnny's me. Johnny's asking for more <laughs> steak. <laughs> <laughs> Please. No, absolutely, guys. Please go and watch it and share it. Man, that's awesome. Congratulations, man. Yeah, proud, proud of you. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys, we're proud of you as well oh, for listening. We so are. We look forward to joining you again next week. I'll have to talk about that. recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.